Welcome to the Lowdown Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Lowe. This is the Royal Rumble Predictions Podcast. And since the Rumble is easily my favorite pay-per-view every year, regardless of whether or not it actually ends up being a good pay-per-view, it's still my favorite event. I've got a pretty good amount to cover, so we'll just jump right into it. First, just want to say that the Rumble is WWE's easy chance to just reset. But in the past, they've not taken advantage of that. And for good reason. If you look at the strength of the roster in the last couple of years, they, well, more than just a couple, they really haven't been able to carry the load through the entire year. They rely on veterans to come in, you know, part-timers, people that a lot of fans disagree using. You know, I, I love The Rock, and I want him to be around as much as he possibly can. It's just really hard for his schedule, and, you know, there's not a whole lot of reason for him to stick around. The reason that people react as much as they do when he shows up is because he doesn't come around very often. If you have one of the superstars like that, one of the veterans, one of the part-timers, however you want to word it, show up consistently, you know, be there every week or be there every couple of weeks or even just every couple of months, it lessens the spectacle, lessens the excitement of seeing them. When Rock showed up in Brooklyn, yeah, he had already appeared at WrestleMania and, you know, a couple other little things. So... He had already been on WWE TV, pay-per-view, what have you, at some point during the year. But it was the fact that it was a random episode of Raw in New York, which he really doesn't have any attachment to, other than just business. So why would anybody expect it? Why would anybody predict it? Sure, there were rumors that were going around that said that he might be in the area, he might show up, he had a business deal going on in the city, so why not at least attempt it? You know, it is The Rock, it is WWE, they're perfectly made for each other, but it was the shock factor. It was, he hadn't been around for a really long time, and no one was expecting it. At least normal fans. You know, there's a lot of internet fans that check into things on a daily basis, I being one, although this week I have tried to avoid any spoilers that I could, or at least most of them. I've accidentally stumbled across a few. You know, if if you're looking for spoilers or you're looking for rumors on who might show up, you need to check out a different source. I'm not going to go over too many of them at all. You know, I'll tap into some NXT people that I think might show up. That's not really a spoiler because I've not read into it. It's not rumor or speculation or anything like that on anybody else's part. It's just my own. You know, at this point, I think the NXT roster is strong enough in certain aspects for them to be bumped up to the Rumble, not necessarily joining the main roster, but just showing up in the Rumble. Entertaining people, showing off their skills to people that may not have, you know, seen them before. There's plenty of fans that tune into the Rumble and then never watch another show for the rest of the year. And then there's the people that tune into the Rumble and then if it doesn't go a certain way or it doesn't show enough promise, that settles things for them. They're not interested in the product for the remainder of the year. That's their justification. If WWE can't do what's right in the Rumble, you can't really rely on them to know what they're doing for at least the first half or the first quarter. Rumble sets up WrestleMania, sets up the feuds almost entirely. I think this one is going to be more so than others, and it's because there's not as much time in between. You know, you've got the Rumble... In January, in late January, and then you've got WrestleMania in late March. It's a difference of, you know, two months. In the past, we've seen the Rumble be closer to, you know, early January or mid, and then the WrestleMania be, you know, partway through April. That's a long time to carry a feud. Two months is actually pretty reasonable to at least hint at it. You know, they could do what they normally do where somebody eliminates another person and by default 
that person gets really frustrated and starts going after the person that eliminated them on Raw and SmackDown and maybe even the following pay-per-view. It just sets up little mini feuds. Sometimes it sets up long-term feuds. You know, I don't want to see them do that with too many people because it spoils the fun of figuring out who's going to feud with who. You know, I said that the Rumble is my favorite event of the year. It's my favorite pay-per-view. And it's because of the event. And that's true. It always has been. It has been since I was a little kid. You know, I've got an older brother that is pretty much the reason why I got into wrestling in the first place. My dad liked it, but my brother was the one that was keeping it on TV. You know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have seen Hogan when I was five years old watching Raw and just trying to figure out what this amazing product, this amazing entertainment was. Wanting to learn more about it, wanting to see more of it, wanting to be like Hogan or Ultimate Warrior or any of the other guys. We couldn't afford to get the pay-per-views, or at least we couldn't justify spending the money on the pay-per-views. At the time, I think they were only like 35 bucks, maybe. It could have been a little less, I'm not honestly sure. But that was a lot of money, and to watch a TV show, it just, we couldn't do it. So, I didn't see pay-per-views when I was a kid. You know, it wasn't until I was a teenager that I really started to see any of them. Well, preteen, And it was because of my brother. We went off to um, Buffalo Wild Wings or B-dubs, depending on where you're at. And we watched them. Because there was at least two in the area that broadcast the pay-per-views. Now, good luck finding places that do it. You know, with a network, might be a little more likely. I honestly don't know how it works with one's subscription and then trying to broadcast it to multiple TVs, but eh, you never know. So that was how we watched them. We went to beat-ups, we, you know, ate some food, and just enjoyed the show. You know, it was enjoyable to, to see that. It was enjoyable to share that with my brother. It was one of the few things that, you know, he and I really got along with. But it was also cool to see it with people. You know, the Rumble is by far the one event where you can get people that don't watch wrestling to gather around the TV and, you know, drink, have some good food, and just have fun. Because it's an enjoyable event. It's the only one, arguably, that you could throw a party and everybody would be entertained to at least a certain point. You know, WrestleMania is another thing. WrestleMania is more of a spectacle, but if you take a normal person and put them in front of it, it just looks like a wrestling show to them. The Rumble is different. When you start talking about having 30 guys in the ring, potentially all at the same time, with the one goal of throwing them over the rope, there's a lot of excitement, there's a lot of anticipation for everything, and when a surprise entrance comes in, or entrant comes in, it blows people away. And if they're not a wrestling fan, you know, Sting could show up in the Rumble, and most people would at least still know him, at least know the face. But if they don't, when they hear the reaction of everybody, it'll change things. It won't be a matter of, oh, yay, another person. It'll be, wait, who is this person? Why is everybody reacting like this? And then, if you've got somebody in the room that's willing to explain it quickly, then they get excited about it. It becomes something cool. You know, I've, I've really thought about trying to get a group of my friends together to come over and watch it, because most of my friends don't watch wrestling. But I feel like they would actually really enjoy that. So maybe I'll try to convince them. Maybe I'll look at them and just say, guys, I've got drinks, I'll get some food, you know, we already plan on doing pizza, Pizza Hut, shout out, and just sit around and enjoy it. 
Before we get into the Rumble, let's get into the matches. Starting off with the pre-show, it's the New Day. New Day? Against Tyson Kidd, Cesaro, and Adam Rose. This actually is kind of an interesting pre-show. You know, I like New Day, mainly because I like the components of New Day. They have a silly gimmick. Um, I I like the chant because it's funny. I like that they have their own little tap thing. But it's more the other side that interests me in this one. Cesaro and Tyson Kidd have turned into a really good tag team. And then they added Adam Rose. That is really hard to say together. So... You've got Adam Rose, who has basically just been like a cheerleader type figure for them recently. But he hasn't wrestled. And I don't know that this is a stable that works, at least so far. And partially because Adam Rose hasn't wrestled. So now all three of them are getting into the ring together. And who knows what's going to happen. New Day needs to either lose and then become bitter and turn heel, or something. I'm not quite sure what to do with New Day right now. I don't feel like there's enough opponents for them, and there's really not a direction for them so far. So, Kid, Cesaro, and Rose, I honestly think are going to win this one, and I think that they're going to win it pretty handily. If they don't... I think it's going to come as a result of Adam Rose's Rosebuds turning on him and costing him the match, him specifically. And either that will cause Ro- or Cesaro and Kid to kick him out and send him off on his own, which would create a mega heel Adam Rose. Or... They'll look at him, look at them, say, screw them, join us. You stay with us. You know, you've got, you know, team members, you've got friends here who needs them. So, funnily enough, I actually just talked myself into New Day being the victors in this one. Prediction, New Day wins as a result of the Rosebuds costing Adam Rose the match. Next up is the Ascension against the New Age Outlaws. This one bothers me, but also doesn't. It bothers me because the Ascension's been used in a really odd way since they got up to the main roster. It's my favorite tag team out of NXT. It's somebody that I have met that I really enjoyed meeting. And I want to see them succeed. So, them going up to the main roster and pulling this, we're better than the old tag teams, they're all a joke, but we're awesome, and then turn around and face a bunch of jobbers, just no-name local wrestlers, while, yeah, it gets those local wrestlers or even people that are trying to try out for NXT, it gives them an opportunity to be on TV. That I do like. I don't like that it's Ascension facing them because it doesn't show off what they can do or bring. It just makes them look like losers. It makes them look like a joke. You know, it took me a couple of weeks to realize what they were doing. You know, I, I should have been paying attention, but I was so frustrated by... Ascension being screwed up that I didn't really pay attention to the point. The point was the fact that they're heels, and they are super heels right now. They came in, they look like the old tag teams from the 80s and, you know, Road Warriors, Demolition, and a few others. So, they look like them. They're acting more like a parody of them. And then they're bashing them. You know, unfortunately, Road Warrior Hawk has passed, so this shtick that they've been doing really pissed off Animal, and he voiced that opinion on Twitter and a couple other outlets. 
And it sounds like there's quite a few other retired legends that are equally pissed off about it. But I think it's along the same vein as my original opinion on it. It was the fact that you're seeing this great tag team that had so much potential, and then you see them get called up, and they're doing this? You know, Animal said that it was disrespectful to talk that way, especially with Hawk not being here. But he also said that he was more frustrated by the booking. Why was WWE making them do this? Why not just have them be the tag team that they were? When I saw that they added face paint, or makeup, or whatever the heck that is, and shoulder pads, I was instantly confused. Why do they need this? It wasn't necessary in NXT. Why is it necessary on the main roster? Sure, it gives them an added element that is unusual and stands out, but they don't need to be the Usos. The Usos are the tag team on the main roster that has face paint. So why do you need to slap a big red triangle on your forehead and do the Eye of Horus over your eye? And if you've noticed, that has gotten thicker and thicker and thicker every week. Almost like they went from using fine point sharpies to using those giant permanent markers. So... I don't I don't agree with what they've been doing, but now I understand it. You're taking a tag team who people used to like, and some people don't know on the main roster anyway, and you have them looking like those tag teams, saying they're better than those tag teams, and then they're facing nobodies. It instantly pisses people off. And makes people ask the question, who do you think you are? That's the point. That is why they're doing what they're doing. It's making people upset. It's bringing attention to them. I don't agree with it, but at least I understand it at this point. So in this last week's Raw, they came out and confronted the NWO. More specifically, they confronted Hall and Nash. And it was to tell them that they were a washed-up tag team that was never any good. And that they're better than them. You just called out the NWO. Granted, it's middle-aged NWO. And for the most part, retired. You know, each one still does some stuff on the indies, but it's kind of rare. Eh, more on Hall's part. Nash is pretty active. So, call them out. And then... You have Bradshaw get up, walk over to the ramp, reveal that he's wearing an APA shirt underneath his, you know, outfit, underneath his suit, or his dress shirt, and then you bring Farouk out? That's awesome. That was a, that was a cool moment. I was frustrated with what happened after, but that was a really cool moment. And then you bring the New Age Outlaws out. Which, by the way, Billy Gunn looks jacked. And he cut his hair. That was surprising. I know he's a trainer. I can't remember if he does NXT or TNA or who he helps to train. But, hey, it wouldn't be TNA. So, he trains wrestlers. He helps, you know, get them into shape. You know, keep them, you know, able-bodied. Anyway, so... New Age Outlaws, APA, and NWO, Hall and Nash, Outsiders, are in the ring, along with the Ascension. Now, the entire time, Ascension is standing there like two scared puppies, frightened by wolves. The problem is, when you're in that ring, and you're the Ascension, and you're in your early 30s, and you are surrounded by guys that are in their mid to late 40s, if not older... It's kind of the other way around. You're two wolves surrounded by puppies that are barking at you, trying to intimidate. I get that they had to sell... You know, they're surrounded by the enemy, and they're all ready to attack because of what we're saying. 
But that really should have gone the other way around. I know it set up the tag team match for Royal Rumble, and that was kind of the point of it. So, on one end it makes sense, on the other end it's just frustrating, because they shouldn't have been intimidated, they shouldn't have been afraid, not for a second. It should have been, okay, bunch of old guys are standing here, we're heels, we're going to point out, you're old guys. Personally, I mean no disrespect by that, it's just, they're heel characters, that should have been how they were reacting. Although on the other end of the spectrum, heels also act like sissies. So, eh, potato, potato. Anyway, as for the match, I think Ascension demolishes New Age Outlaws. I think it ends up being a match so that people kind of get the point. But on the other end, I kind of feel like it might be a WrestleMania repeat. You know, at the at WrestleMania 30, the Shield went in had their match against New Age Outlaws, and were in and out in under two minutes. It might have been two and a half. So, I think this might be another squash match. It could go the distance where it's like five-minute match, five to seven. But if they really want to sell Ascension, I feel like they need to go into this one. It's their first main roster pay-per-view. And instead of bowing down to the veterans, they crush them. What would be better for an upcoming tag team for them to have made to be look like fools on Raw and then turn around and at the pay-per-view walk in, set up in the corners, hear the bell ring, and then wipe that tag team off the map. Their enemy off the map. I don't think that there's a better booking for them than that. You know, like I said before, it might be beneficial for it to really be a match. But if they want to look really strong, squash match. A pay-per-view against veteran tag team that could be put in the hall reasonably, and they just run through them, you know, hit the fall of man in under a minute, get the pin, one, two, three, done and go, turn around on Raw, have them do another match against New Age Outlaws, or have New Age Outlaws come out injured, and have them send another tag team to try to do their work for them. I think it works. I think it finally causes fans to realize that this is a real tag team and that they're a legitimate threat to the tag team division. In the end, Ascension wins point blank. Next match, Usos against Miz and Mizdow in yet another match. If Ascension is going to be made to look serious... It makes more sense to have the Usos win, to defend their titles, to keep the titles on a pair of faces rather than give it over to some heels. The only other tag team that's even around is Golden Stardust, and the rumor right now is that Goldust is retiring, at least in ring, and that it's going to happen shortly after WrestleMania. If that's true, then it's going to end up being gold against star at WrestleMania, brother against brother, because that's what Goldust wanted his career to end on. So it makes zero sense for them to push that tag team, especially with them being heels in it right now anyway, against Miz and Mizdow. They're going to end up splitting Miz and Mizdow up. That's going to happen sooner than later. I don't think that that's going to end up being a match at WrestleMania. It's not big enough. And I think... <laughs> Even though Mizdow has been a very successful character, and a lot of fans have gravitated towards him, I think that it's starting to wear off. They really haven't done a whole lot with Miz and Mizdow other than the same old thing. Granted, there's not very many options for him right now, but that's why I'm not really interested in this match. You've got 
the Usos against Miz and Miz out again. It's a match that we've seen on Raw and SmackDown for the last month and a half. Actually, probably longer than that. And it's just old. They can't really do anything else. Are they just going to keep trading the belts? If that's the case, it lessens the importance of the belts and the legitimacy of them. You, know, you start pulling a WCW where the, the main belt gets tossed around like candy. I think the Usos retain, and Miz and Mizdow have yet another notch in the belt added of frustration where they start to split apart. Next one is uh, the Bella Twins against Natalia and Paige. I like the pairing of Natalia and Paige. At first it was kind of awkward, but Paige as a face or a tweener is a little interesting. I wasn't really expecting that. You know, she definitely is an anti-diva. That is her character, but that is also her personality. She doesn't really fit the normal mold of what a, a diva is, or a, especially a face diva. You know, AJ is the ideal heel diva, and she's out right now. I do think that she's going to end up popping up at the Rumble, or on Raw following the Rumble. That one's a little more likely. You know, the rumor right now is that Nikki's hurt. I don't know if you'd really call it a rumor, because it's kind of proven to be true. But she messed up her thigh at some point, or upper leg, in the last week, maybe 10 days. And she really can't compete. I think that's a big reason why this was turned into a tag team match, rather than it being... Nikki against Natalia against Paige, or just a Nikki versus Paige match. If Nikki really is hurt, and they're just trying to push the storyline towards WrestleMania, you enter into the same territory as Lesnar being champ and not defending. If Nikki doesn't defend at the Fastlane pay-per-view in February, I feel like she's in the same boat as Lesnar. And fans aren't keen on characters like that. Hopefully she gets better. I really want to see her defend, especially against Paige. But for right now, we're getting a kind of an interesting tag team match. In the end, I think Natalia and Paige take this one. Cause a little bit more of a rift between the Bellas. Be it by causing one or the other to cost them the match, like, you know, Brie getting up to distract, but all it ends up doing is distracting Nikki, and then Paige gets a roll-up, or Natalia ends up getting, um, you know, submission victory, or the other way around, or even Nikki or Brie running into the other and causing them to fall off the mat, making it so that they can't help and then Natalia or Paige getting the win. They're going to have to build towards a Brie and Nikki WrestleMania match because that is what's going to happen. On the other side of the Divas, though, for WrestleMania especially, I'm wondering if we're going to see it at this one or if we're going to see it on Raw or just in the coming weeks. But eventually, when AJ comes back, it's going to turn into AJ against Stephanie. I don't know for sure, but that definitely feels like the natural storyline and the natural direction of things. I would love to see Paige get involved in that. But at the same time, maybe it ends up being Brie, Nikki, and Paige for the Divas Championship at WrestleMania. I think they're planning more on the sisters facing each other. But neither one of them needs the belt. I mean, Paige doesn't really need the belt either, but she deserves it. Not to say the other two don't work hard enough to deserve it, but Paige is more of a natural fit as champ. Last match before the Rumble is the triple threat match between Lesnar, Cena, and Seth Rollins. This WrestleMania, wow, this Royal Rumble, sorry, is, 
a lot more of an ideal one than normal, and it's because of this match. It's because we are finally going into a championship match at a pay-per-view where we have no idea what the outcome is going to be. And it involves Cena. How does that happen at this point? It used to be if Cena's involved, he's going to win. And if he doesn't win, it's because somebody interfered or something. It almost always ends up being a Cena victory. You know, 2014, he had, goodness, what was it? A win-loss percentage of 84 or 86%. And that was over the course of the entire year on everything. Raw, a few, SmackDown. I don't even know if he was on SmackDown last year. And pay-per-views. Just anything that he competed on, he had an 84-ish percent chance that he won. Or percentage that he did win. In 2015, I'm wondering if that percentage starts to go down. You know, Super Cena isn't really around anymore. And it's because they're trying to build up the rest of the roster. Yeah, I know that there's no chance that Cena wants to take a, a step back from being the top guy. If somebody is capable of stepping up and taking it from him, I think that he is okay with that. But in terms of him willingly stepping back just so that somebody could step forward and maybe take it, no. It, it's not in him to do that. He doesn't want to see WWE suffer and not have a legitimate face of the company at the head. You know, that is his role, that has been his role, and there's been nobody else on the roster even capable of reaching that height. Right now, though, the roster is arguably at its highest point since the Attitude Era. There is enough talent and enough top-level talent around that it's possible that somebody does. You know, they have wanted Reigns to take over that role, or at least that's what the rumor has been. You know, that's Triple H's prized project, as I put it. And for good reason. He has presence, he has a look... He has energy. He's exciting, usually. He's got the whole package. The only thing he's really lacking in is just his promo work. And honestly, if they would just let him be himself, kind of pull a rock, where rather than pushing this Rocky Maya Via character on us, or this super awkward version of Reigns where he is quoting cartoon shows that haven't been relevant in 20 years. You realize what you're doing, and you go, hmm, this is not working. Go be yourself. Rock went from Rocky Maivia to being The Rock, and it worked. And it worked because that was him, or at least an exaggerated version of him. Reigns needs the exact same treatment. He needs hands-off, just go be yourself. You know, bullet points is the way to go with promos. It always has been, but for some reason, Vince has been obsessed with scripting things. And it's, it's a TV show. It's entertainment. They want everything to be a particular way. I, I get it. I don't blame him, but at the same time, he was one of the masterminds behind the Attitude Era. And the vast majority of the Attitude Era was unscripted, for the most part. You know, the promos were just, hey, we need you to talk about this. Just bullet point, here's what we need you to cover over the time that you have. Go. Say whatever, just make sure that you hit these things. Now, you've got Reigns talking about... (laughs) You know, or at least saying suffering succotash and stuff, and quoting or reimagining fairy tales. You know, that was a Shane McMahon promo that he cut on Big Show years ago, and Reigns cuts the exact same thing. 
and he does it in even more of a dorky way. Reigns is not a dork. He doesn't look like one, he doesn't act like one, but he's talking like one and it doesn't suit him. You know, I get that they are wanting everybody to pay attention to him. Wanting to point over and go, that's the guy. Pay attention, that's the guy. Not anybody else. Ignore Daniel Bryan. We know you like him, but that's not the guy. That attitude doesn't work. That business plan doesn't work, and it has proven itself time and time again. Vince, Triple H, all of them are more than aware that the fans choose the top guy. When Austin got bumped up to being the guy, that wasn't WWE, that wasn't Vince, that wasn't any of them saying, this is going to be the guy. That was the fans demanding that he be put in that position. They loved him, and they loved him from the start, and it wasn't the plan. Rock was supposed to be from the beginning, but it didn't work that way. You know, granted, Rock ended up being 1B, with Austin being 1A. They weren't 1 and 2. It wasn't that much of a separation between the two of them. They were equally the top guy. There was just a slight dip that put put Rock just barely underneath Austin. When they walked out at WrestleMania, go back and just listen to the crowd reaction. To me, they're equal. They're the exact same. They equally got a pop that shook the place. Reigns right now is second fiddle to Cena, and it's a pretty good separation. There's a pretty good distance between one and two. You know, it might be argued that Daniel Bryan is the true number two, but that's not what WWE is pushing. It's not going to work. It really is not going to work if they keep doing it like that. Sorry, getting back to the match. Lesnar, Cena, Rollins. It's unpredictable. It could go in any of the three directions, which is mind-blowing to think about. Lesnar could end up coming out on top, going into WrestleMania, defending and losing the belt, going to UFC. Or he could go into WrestleMania, win, and stay in the WWE. There's also a chance that he goes to WrestleMania, he loses, but it's a triple threat match. He's not the one that gets pinned, and somebody else takes the belt. But he still sticks around. I mean, there's a lot of options with just him. Then you throw Cena into the mix. If Cena wins, Cena goes into WrestleMania again as champion, and he faces who? Do you pull the trigger and have it be... Reigns against Cena at WrestleMania? Or do you hold off on that for like another year? I said not too long ago that I think that it needs to be Reigns against Cena at SummerSlam. That that is a big match, but I don't want it to be at WrestleMania just yet. That's the pinnacle. When you face Cena at WrestleMania, you have reached your current peak. I don't want that to happen to him yet. Or, it could be Cena against Daniel Bryan, which would blow the roof off the place. The last time that we saw those two compete against each other in a big-time match was SummerSlam of 2013, where Daniel Bryan got a clean victory over Cena. That never happens. And if it does, it's a shocker. They never let Cena get pinned cleanly. Or at least usually. It hasn't been like that. You know, Lesnar destroyed him at SummerSlam this past year. That was never done before. Cena had never been a part of an absolute squash match before. At least during his Super Cena-type run. You know, maybe at the start of his career, but not now. I still think that 
Cena facing Daniel Bryan or Daniel Bryan facing Cena is the best case scenario for Daniel Bryan if he were to win the Rumble. Because if you beat Cena at WrestleMania for the belt, you don't get bigger than that. That solidifies you as a legitimate contender. You are now in the upper echelon and you will never leave it. And then there's Rollins. Rollins could do several things. He could go into this match, win it, be champion, go into WrestleMania, lose it, and get it right back. Because he's got the money in the bank contract. Or he could go in this match, lose, turn around, cash in, get the belt. Go into WrestleMania, whatever happens, happens. He could also lose this match, go to cash in, and then Ambrose steps in and stops it. Keeps it from happening. Living up to his promise that he will never let Rollins successfully cash in. Setting up a match between those two at WrestleMania. Or he could win it. Go to WrestleMania. Win that match. Go into the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Or the following, I actually don't remember what's after WrestleMania right now. Um, and then, oh, Payback. Um, and then, you know, lose it at Payback. Or lose it at Money in the Bank. And have it not be the main event. Have the ladder match be the main event. And lose it there, cash in, get the belt back. Setting up a feud between the new champion Rollins against the new Money in the Bank winner. And having a feud between those two for the rest of the year. There are way too many options with this one. Which is really good. And that's why this one is exciting. This main event, or main event other than the Rumble, just a normal match main event, is one of the more exciting ones that we've had since WrestleMania. What do they do? Who do they actually go with? If they... If they have the cojones to do it, Rollins needs to win. He needs to win it, he needs to go into WrestleMania, and he needs to face either Daniel Bryan or Roman Reigns. It's a good match. It's the future. It's new blood. It's something different. It's giving all of the fans that have been begging for a change, for something new, for something different, to just step up and wow us. Y'all would hope that WWE, Vince, Triple H, everybody realizes that. They see that this is the prime opportunity to reset, to do everything over, to start fresh, start new. They want to get pay-per-view buys... And network subscriptions, that's how you do it. It's not, we'll put the belt on Cena because it's Cena and people will tune in. It's not like that anymore. You know, there are millions of Cena fans and there are plenty that chant Cena sucks, but then turn around and buy his new shirts. Or his wristbands or his hats or any of his new merch in in general. You know, you might claim to hate him, but you're still tuning in. You're still watching his matches, even if it's to see if he loses. You know, Hogan's career got to that point, where everybody just was tired of him. Or at least claimed to be. And then, what'd you do? Pay-per-view came on, you wanted to see it. You wanted to see how it ended. If he would actually lose. Or if he would win... So you can complain again. You know, when he showed back up in the WWE and he had a match against Rock, there was nobody, or at least in mass, that was complaining about the fact that Hogan had another match. It was because everybody wanted to see it. It was the past against the present. And it was spectacular. You know, I missed it when it happened in live time but going back and watching it 
and living that experience because of the network and understanding how that was built up was just spectacular. Cena winning the belt would be interesting. Rollins turning around and cashing in on him and getting the belt from Cena would be more interesting. But by far, the thing that will grab our attention more than any other situation, any other option, is Rollins winning it. And opposite momentum says Rollins going to win it. I don't think that they're brave enough, bold enough to pull the trigger. I don't think it's going to be Rollins. I want it to be. But I do think that they're going to end up giving Cena the belt. And I think there's a 95% chance that Rollins cashes in. And a slim chance that he fails. And if he does fail, it's going to be because of Ambrose. Ambrose is going to keep him from doing it. There's my call on that. Let's get into the Rumble. Don't have too much time left. I'm going to try to keep this at an hour or less. Right now, let's just go over the people that are in. We've got Ziggler, Ryback, Reigns, Dan O'Brien, Rusev, Bad News Barrett, Bray Wyatt, Dean Ambrose, Goldust, Stardust, Big Show, Kane, Miz, Mizdow, R-Truth, Fernando, Diego, Fandango, and Justin Gabriel. That's at least what's out so far. Who I think gets in, who I think makes a surprise appearance, either Rey Mysterio... And if it's not him, which there's been a lot of talk saying that he's either completely done, or if he does come back, we're probably not going to see him for very long. I still think there's a good chance that we see him here, even if it's just him showing up for this and then disappearing. If it's not Ray, they need a luchador. I actually think I think Sinkara got announced too. Um, but Callisto. I think it's about time that he at least makes a main roster appearance. And this is the perfect opportunity to do it. Another return, Bo Dallas. I think that one is pretty obvious that it's going to happen. I know a lot of people have kind of forgotten about him. And for good reason. I mean, it's been, goodness, six months, maybe longer. And they weren't really doing anything with him when he was around. I think he shows back up. Get some fans to pop. Get some people happy. Another one, Curtis Axel. You know, I know he's working out with NXT right now, and they really don't have a plan for him, especially after Axel broke up. But he should be in it. Now, I don't necessarily want him in it, but he's on the main roster. He deserves a shot. Go ahead. Other than that, I think... NXT. And I'll do that, I'll cover that, because there are a few either guys that have left the company who may or may not be coming back. There are some people that have been away for a while. Oh, Sheamus. Uh, That one's pretty obvious. I didn't even think about that for a second there. He'll be there. Don't worry. And he's probably going to be the one that eliminates Daniel Bryan. Setting up a feud between those two. But NXT needs to be represented. It would be stupid to not put at least a few NXT guys in the match. And I'm not going to spoil the surprise returns. The big surprise returns that have been rumored. It's just, that's the point of the Rumble. You're supposed to be surprised. You're supposed to be shocked. I think the only one that I could say that may or may not be fairly obvious is Sting, but I question whether or not they'll actually waste one of his appearances on him competing in the match. I feel like it makes more sense to have him go into WrestleMania and face Triple H and that be his first match, his first in-ring experience with WWE. If you do it beforehand, you take away a little bit of the mystique 
and you really take it away in the Rumble match because, I mean, you've got a bunch of dudes standing around trying to eliminate each other for an hour or an hour plus. It doesn't make sense to throw Sting in that and just have him kind of wobbling around, standing around doing almost nothing for most of the match and then having, you know, a couple of spots here and there. So, who do I think they're going to bring up from NXT? The the biggest surprise one that I think that they could pull out of their hat would be Baron Corbin. I highly doubt it because he's not really been around for very long. He's not fully established himself as, you know, a threat to the belt or anything along those lines. Next week, he does compete in a match against Bull Dempsey where, you know, it's for the right to become the new number one contender. It's part of a tournament. So, him coming into the Rumble allows the main roster fans, the people that really aren't paying attention to NXT for whatever reason, to see him. And to see him for the first time. Dude has a crazy good entrance, amazing music, and presence. He walks in, he's a big dude, he's got a great look, and he's intimidating. I think it's ideal that he shows up, he goes in, you know, gets a good amount of eliminations, and is just made to look strong. It would be very beneficial to him and NXT. You build a star immediately, and then he can go to NXT, he can compete, and people can just keep tabs on him, keep wondering where he's going. It also gets him ready for the main roster so that when he does come up, everybody's familiar with him. Win-win. Other than that, biggest surprise would be Finn Balor. That one, again, is unlikely. It's not because he doesn't have star power or fan interest, because he definitely does. It's more, I wonder if they'll debut him without him officially debuting. Bring him into the Rumble and him not be on the main roster immediately. I feel like they're going to save that and just have him appear at another pay-per-view in the future, or when he becomes champ of NXT, if that happens, then he can step up and kind of be the face of NXT. Then we get into the two that are fairly clear that they should be there. Adrian Neville's a big one. He's the most likely of any of the NXT guys to be called up. I really hope that they don't go forward with the Mighty Mouse gimmick that they've been talking about, which is reminiscent of Crash Holly, where he's just a little dude that's so full of energy and passion, and just because he's small doesn't mean that he can't succeed. He needs to be kept away from a joke gimmick. But he needs to be in the Rumble. He absolutely, absolutely has to be in the Rumble. They need to see him. They need to get a feel for him on the main roster a little, a little bit more, and the Rumble is a prime, prime place to do it. Other than him, last one, Sami Zayn. If they don't put Sami Zayn there, that's a really big omission. You've got the NXT champion, you've got the face of NXT with or without the gold. He needs to be there. He's going to end up on the main roster sooner than later, and, you know, I say that, but there's a good chance that he won't get called up for another year and it's because he needs to continue helping NXT it's not so much that he's not ready it's that NXT needs him and they need him more than the main roster does right now he might deserve it and he has more than earned it but NXT needs him I guess the only other surprise would be Kevin Owens if they do that that would probably be the biggest shock for an NXT person and it's more because he's only been around for a little over a month, and he's only had, what, two matches? Zane, or not Zane, um, CJ Parker at Our Evolution, and then Adrian Neville on a normally what, normal episode. I doubt it. It'd be interesting. You know, that's a good location to show his talent. And his skill, because he's going to run through people. More people that he's got to fight, the better it makes him look. 
it wouldn't be a bad call. It would just be a very surprising one. So, who do I think wins the Rumble? Ultimately, Reigns. It's really hard to go against him. When Daniel Bryan first showed back up, I immediately said, nope, no longer Reigns, it's going to be Daniel Bryan. If it's not Daniel Bryan, people will riot. Or they will stop buying the network, stop, stop subscribing, and hurt the pay-per-view numbers, hurt the network numbers, hurt the company in general. You made a mistake, we're going to show you exactly what we can do to you if you make a mistake like this. The thing is, I think Daniel Bryan gets screwed. I don't know that they pull something like they did last year where he doesn't even compete in it. I think that they will allow him to compete in it. He had a match on SmackDown where he had to face Kane, and if he lost, he didn't get to go into the Rumble. He won his match, so he's in. They're not going to attack him in the back and keep him from going into the Rumble because that would just piss fans off too bad. You know, at that point, they would blame Reigns for winning because Daniel Bryan got knocked out so that you could win. We're furious. It wouldn't be on anybody else. You know, I, I put out an article yesterday talking about the Rumble odds. And Reigns I had at 45%. Daniel Bryan I got at 20 and The rest of them are there. But it comes down to those two. If there was ever going to be somebody different, it would be another part-time person that would come in. And fans are not going to gravitate towards that at all. So I don't think that they're going to do it. I don't think. It'd be interesting to see Batista return. I highly, highly, highly doubt it. But it'd be kind of cool if they end up bringing him in and it comes down to Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns, and Batista. You have Batista eliminate Daniel Bryan and then Reigns eliminate Batista. Swift justice causes fans to go, okay, we're a little more okay with this situation. You know, I didn't bring that up in the article. I just thought about that. But I do think that it'll come down to Dana Bryan and Reigns in some respect. I would think that there's going to be another person in there. And it hopefully won't be Kane. But I feel like somebody else is going to be in the ring. They're going to end up setting it up so that either Reigns accidentally eliminates Dana Bryan or... Somebody else eliminates Brian, screwing him over, and then Reigns eliminates them. Same situation as what I brought up with Batista, where Reigns eliminates the person that screwed over Dan and Brian. Fans are a little more okay. I think that's kind of the only direction that you could go and it not make Reigns bitterly hated. And that's going to happen if he wins and... Brian wasn't treated the way he needs to be. Yeah, I really hope that when Sheamus shows back up, they don't pull a Sheamus heel move where he eliminates Dana Bryan and they set up a match for WrestleMania. I know those two really like working together, but we've seen the match and we've seen it multiple times. It doesn't need to happen. My pick, Roman Reigns. It's the popular pick. Sorry I'm not being too different on that one. It's just really hard to pick against him. I could see Ambrose winning it. I don't think that he would. But if they wanted to go bold and big, that's another option. You know, WrestleMania with Rollins' as champ facing Reigns or facing Ambrose or a triple threat match featuring all three of them and it be for the belt would be money. Y'all go over my WrestleMania predictions in a little while. You know, I might do it shortly after the Fastlane pay-per-view. Who knows? Maybe I'll do it in a couple weeks. Anyway, that's my Royal Rumble predictions. I'll have more info published over the weekend. Probably be up on Sunday afternoon. 
go in a little more in detail. That's the lowdown on Royal Rumble. I've been your host, Sean Lowe. It's been great talking wrestling with you.